Well, Pastor Jordan has been ministering on the subject of spiritual habits, or well, healthy habits, actually. And um, he's out of town, and I thank him for trusting me to minister. He asked me if I would minister on spiritual habits, so that's what we're going to do today is we're going to start off there. And um, the v first verse we want to look at when talking about good spiritual habits is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. And we're all familiar with this verse, but it's important for us to look at. Um, it says out of the Passion Translation, Now may the God of peace and harmony set you apart, make you completely holy. Now notice it says set you apart. And, and notice it's the God of peace and harmony Who's able to do that? That's because peace and harmony promotes division and strife do not. So if I want promotion in my life, i got to stay out of strife. i got to quit fighting with everybody. And in today's society, that's valuable information. Doesn't matter if you think you're right. Brother, Brother Jared said something during the message. He said, you know, do what God told you to do. We were having Wednesday morning prayer in here um, this week. And the Lord said, Sean, you're in charge of what you're in charge of. And that's all you're in charge of. You're in charge of what you're in charge of, and that's all you're in charge of. If God tells you to pray about something, pray about it. If God tells you to do something, do it. But if you're not in charge of it, you're not in charge of it. So why are you worrying about it? Why are you messing with it? Why is it your concern? Why is it your issue? It's not. And he, and he said, people who stay in their lane have much happier lives. Because I can't fix the world. I can't fix everybody. I can't fix Brother Josh. Now, Miss Kara can't, but I can. No, not really. You're in charge of what you're in charge of. So quit being upset about all this other stuff. Amen. He gave us authority, but he didn't give us authority over everybody and everything. Amen. So we look here and it says... Now, may the God of peace and harmony set you apart, making you completely holy. And may your entire being, spirit, soul, and body, be kept completely flawless until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, notice our entire being, spirit, soul, body. They're listed in that order because that is the order of their importance. It doesn't mean they're all not important. They are all important. But first is your spirit, which is the most important. Because if the spirit part isn't right, everything else is wrong. Doesn't matter what you look like in a swimsuit. Doesn't matter um, how much academically you may know. If things spiritually aren't right, things will crash and burn eventually. Because this is the way God set it up. I am a spirit. I have a soul. I live in this body. You don't see me. You see my body. The real me is in here. My spirit man. Amen. Now, the soul is, of course, your mind, how you think, your will, what you want, and your emotions, how you feel on the inside. So we can be perfectly whole in all of those areas, spirit, soul, and body. Too often, people will focus on the body, or they'll focus on the soul, the mind part. And it's not that those are not important, but if you don't take care, if we don't take care of the spirit side of things, it gets off. It's like having a car. You can have your car painted. You can have your car washed. You can have your car waxed and detailed. You can armor all the interior. You can sweep out all the, you can vacuum. It can be beautiful. But if you never change the oil in the engine, if you never change the fluid in the transmission, if you never change your brake pads, your car's going to be destroyed. It looks awesome, but it doesn't go anywhere. And people look awesome, but they're not going anywhere sometimes because they're unwilling to develop good spiritual habits. Again, there's nothing wrong with eating right. You should. Your, your engine can look great, but your car's got holes in it. That, that, that's not perfectly whole either. Amen? So spiritual habits are what we are talking about today. And Father, thank you for letting me minister this message. And Holy Spirit, we invite you, sir, to, to come and have your way. We have notes, but it's not our service. We thank you for, for, for talking. I thank you for talking to me about this and, and what to say and what not to say. And um, we thank you that people have ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first question we need to ask, why do I need good spiritual habits? What's the big deal? Why, why do I need it? 
You know, I could tell you these are good spiritual habits, but why? Why is that important? Why is it important for me to have habits spiritually? That What benefit is it going to be to me? So the, the, the first thing we need to look at, we need to look at something that's called the standard. Isaiah 62.10 talks about the standard, and it's God talking to the people. He tells the people, go, th- go through... Go through the gates, prepare ye the way of the people, cast up, cast up the highway, gather out the stones, lift up a standard for the people. Lift up a standard, or, or, or some people say ban, or some translations say that. Lift up a standard, it just means lift something up that people can look at and reach for. Not just common every day, what's something people can reach for? What is something people look at and say, I want that? That's what I want. That's what I want in my life. That's what I want in my marriage. That's what I want in my children. That's what I want in my health. That's what I want. That's a standard. A standard, well, it's like we just read out of 1 Thessalonians. It said God will set you apart. Set you apart from what? Set you apart from the norm. Help make you the standard. People look at your life and say, I want a life like that. Not that they're jealous, not that they're envious, but they see, I want what they have. Not that I want there specifically, but that they, they, they've got something going on in their life that I want in my life. How'd they do it? Yeah. How did they do it? Well, having good spiritual habits helps make your life a standard. Not in a prideful way, not in an arrogant way, but it's something that people look at and then people realize, hey, I would like to have that. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 in the Amplified Bible says it a little bit differently. It says, for we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship. You are the way God made you. That's why we're told don't compare yourselves to one another. When you compare yourself to other people and you beat yourself up over it, what you're doing is you're saying, God, you blew it. It's dangerous when we do that. It's dangerous when we compare ourselves and then we beat ourselves up because maybe we're not where someone is or maybe our life doesn't look the way there. You don't beat yourself up over it. You just realize, hey, there are differences here. If I want to do that, I'm going to have to make some changes. But you don't, don't, don't badmouth yourself. Don't do that because you're God's workmanship. You're telling God you blew it. Recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that you may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths that he prepared ahead of time. Could we look at verse 11? That we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged, made ready for us to live. God created a plan for your life. He created you for that plan. He put in you what you need to fulfill that plan. It is a plan that he has set out ahead of time. Every, your, your, all of your dreams fulfilled. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the, plans, the thoughts I have toward you, thoughts of good and not evil that you might have an expected end. Um, that actually means that you'd have the end you always dream of. It is the fairy tale ending. I know the last couple of times I've ministered that, but I can't emphasize that enough. God is a good God, and he wants you to have the fairy tale ending. So what it says here, he has set aside and he's made it available and he's got this path for you to live on. And on this path is the right spouse and on this path is the right job and on this path are the right kids and on this path is the right school and on this path is the right everything. Everything. He's predestined. He set that apart ahead of time, but he's not going to make you do it. It's kind of like this. Um, I've got three kids, and, and, and let's say that I tell each of them, I've got car keys to new cars for each of you. And I have already paid in full whatever you want at these stores for your future. So here are the keys. Car's free. Gas is free. All of those resources are free. But I'm not going to drive the car for them. God's not going to drive the car for you. He gave you the keys. He paid for it all. Are you still sitting in the garage? What are you doing with it? I can't look at my life and then complain about everything else. In Genesis chapter 1, when God created Adam, he said, I've given you complete authority. He's given you as much authority to succeed or fail. 
Completely up to you. Nobody else can make you a failure but you. Nobody else can make you a success but you. God has already set it all apart, but God's not going to make you do anything. You can sit in the basement and play Xbox for the rest of your life when you've got the brand new car fully fueled up and 15 of these stores fully paid up, everything you'll ever need. You can sit in your basement, play Xbox for the rest of your life and complain about, I just don't have any opportunities. We live in a society today that wants to not take responsibility. See, that's, that's the thing about authority. Everybody loves authority until people say, why aren't you using it? I've got complete authority. I can succeed. Then why am I not succeeding? Oh, come on now. Well, you see, God, wait, 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 wait. Brother Jerry just said it. I've got to make good choices. I've got to create good habits. I've got to do good. Yes, there is a devil, and the devil hates you, and the devil does not want you to succeed. But if you notice, when Peter talks about the devil, he said he goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, not whom he will devour, whom he may devour. He has to have permission to devour you. Who gives permission? You do. The choices I make can open doors. A lot of times people will make bad choices. Well, we all have free will. We're just not free from the consequences of that. We can make any decision we want, sure, because we have free will, but there are consequences to every choice that we make. It's called seed time and harvest is what it's called. And Genesis 8.22 tells us for as long as the earth remains, it's going to be like that. So, um, boy, what was I talking about? Help me, Father. <clears throat> so we, we've got these choices that we can make, and, and they're, they're completely up to us. And, and we're, the guy, we're the guys and gals who drive the car. We determine where we end up in life. God's got a plan of where he wants you to be, which is your fairy tale ending. But it's up to us. We have to be led by God and make the right choices. And people, again, back to authority, people just don't like that. They just don't like that. People like to talk about their authority when they're talking about prosperity and talk about my authority when I'm talking about healing and talk about my authority when I'm talking about the gifts of the Spirit, but they don't want to talk about their authority when it comes to where their life is. Well, it's not my fault. Well, whose fault is it? Are, are, you really, are you really going to blame God for that? Of course, in a church like ours, we've been taught well enough we understand, well, I can't blame God for it. And we've been taught well enough to where we understand that authority also is over the devil, so we can't blame the devil for it. Well, who's that fall on then? Your life can be whatever you want it to be. But it's up to you. And some people are uncomfortable with that because then, then, then that means I've got to take responsibility. And responsibility has become a dirty word for some people. Amen? So, if, if, if we look up here, if you remember years and years and years ago when Dr. Jacobs was, um, Dr. Jacobs, for those of you who don't know, he was the founding, church, uh, founding pastor of Church on the Rock. He was coming back from a meeting um, out I-64, and um, as he was coming and driving down the hill through that little cut through where they blew up all that rock, and he was looking over the city of New Albany, the Lord asked him, will you start a church for me in this city? And he said, yes, sir, I will. And not long after that, he um, went and he got him a gallon of water and he went to a hotel in Clarksville, Indiana. And he um, told the people at the front desk, he said, um, don't bother me unless it's my wife. And he said, I'll take some towels and wash rags. And he went in for a weekend and he prayed because he wanted to find out what's the vision for this church. A lot of churches do a lot of different things. And that's great. That's great. There are churches that are more involved in outreach. There are churches that are more involved in music. There are churches that are more involved. There are a lot of churches involved in a lot of different things. And if those churches are doing what God told them to do, that's great. Do what God, And that's why it's so dangerous when people start criticizing other churches and other ministries. When did God start telling you what that pastor's supposed to do? That's so, so dangerous. Oh, my goodness. What you're doing is you're trying to say... God, you're wrong about your part in this area. God, you're wrong. Your plan's wrong in this area. I don't know what God told people to do down the street. I don't know what God told people to do across town. I don't even know what God told you to do. So why would I criticize the choices you make understanding, well, maybe God told them to do that. Now, if something's completely unscriptural, I, I get it. But, man, that's a dangerous thing. 
when you've got a man or woman of God and they're doing something that God told them to do and, and, and you criticize that. That's dangerous. That can be dangerous to do. Again, you're in charge of what you're in charge of. Amen? So um, when Dr. Jacobs was getting the vision for the church and kind of actually the direction for his ministry, because, you know, a lot of people minister on end times and all that sort of thing, and there's nothing wrong with that if that's what you're called to do. But when it comes to Dr. Jacobs, the Lord told him, I want you to teach people how to live in victory now. Victory now. What's that mean? Victory in your body. Victory in your mind, victory in your emotions, victory in your marriage, victory in your finances, victory in your children, victory everywhere. Every area of your life you look and all you see is winning. Winning, winning, that's all I do is win. All I do is win. What's that called? That's called the standard. That's standard living. So if you look at this graph here we have, we have two different things. And we've all been there. At the top you've got standard living. This is where God wants us to live. At the bottom... We have a different kind of living. That's where we are presently. <laughs> have you ever sat in a, a service and heard a message ministered and looked at your life and realized, oh my goodness, I don't have any of that right now. <laughs> if you haven't, I have. I'll be the person who says that. Absolutely. And, and, and of course, it will always be that way pretty much because as Pastor Nancy Dufresne once said, we're all probably not where we need to be. We're all probably not where we need to be, but we can get there. Why? Because God gave us the ability to drive the car to get there. So we have these two different things. We have standard living. It's where we can live, and then we have where we are right now. So what do we have to, and listen, the great, so what is it that fills this gap? What is it that gets us from here to there? Well, the first thing is the anointing of God. You can never factor out the anointing. The anointing of God is God's power, God's ability. It's the people he will bring into your life. It will be the doors of opportunity that he opens for you. It will be his involvement. God can always do things you can't do. He can bring people across your path you didn't even know existed. He can create jobs that you couldn't create. So you always have to take in consideration, God is going to help me do that. Because he's going to. So you can never... Take out the anointing. You always have to factor in God's involvement in everything you do. Well, what's the rest of it? The rest of it's me. After God, it's me. What else would it be? Well, it's your church family. That's part of God's part. After God's ability, God's anointing, what's the rest of it? What do I choose to do? Me. My choices. My using my authority. God in me, God first, is going to get from where I am to where I can be. He's put the Holy Spirit in the earth to be the manifester. He's my helper. Now, notice he's not my doer. He's my helper. He's, I've got to give him something to help. So I've got to do something. And, and what will happen, if you look at the next slide, the, these black lines indicate where people are. And how do people get there? Some are higher, some are lower. Well, it's God's involvement, but it's also the choices I make. Have I chosen to get in the Word and develop my faith? Have I chosen to take the time to pray in tongues? Have I chosen to come to church at all? Have I chosen to walk in love? Have I chosen to sow when God's... Have I, have I chosen to do, number one, what the Word tells me, number two, what God has spoken to my heart personally? Brother Jared said, God told him, give a paycheck every month. Was it every month to the church? If God didn't tell you to do that, you're not supposed to do that. Sometimes people want to, like Dr. Jacob says, it's shake and bake. You put your meat in the bag and you shake it all up and it all comes out the same. That's not how God is. God may have instruction for Bruce that's different than the instruction he wants to give Brother Dan. Does that mean he's wrong or he's right? No, it means you've got to do what God told you to do. Amen? Because you're different than everybody else. You're gifted different than everybody else. God puts something in you that's different, something that's unique that nobody else has, so he knows this is the instruction you need to get this done. And, but, but a lot of people like to make up their own instructions. That's why I have to admit there have been times that I've tried to do something and I haven't looked at the instructions and I end up with extra parts. And Jen's like, what are these for? I really don't know. What do you think this is going to work? Probably not. 
probably not. Side note, one time, one time back, back before phones had GPS on them, um, when we go on a trip, like a church trip, I would always print out the maps. I go to MapQuest and print them out, and I'd have them in a folder. And she would make fun of me when I do it, because she'd be like, "You always got to look at maps." So one time I decided I'm I'm gonna I'm not gonna look at maps. I'm just gonna do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get general directions. We were in Nashville. Remember Nashville? We went to Pastor Rogan because I did it the way she told me to do it. The woman did give me the fruit and. So I did it the way she told me. By the way, this is my wife, and we like to joke, so don't be offended. This is just how we roll. So, so, so we're driving, and um, <coughs> we're driving, and yeah, we get lost. And we finally make it to the church, and I'm talking to Pastor Alvin Parker. He's a pastor down there in Nashville. And I was talking and laughing about it, and I said, yeah, I got lost. I ended up here. He said, oh, Brother Sean. He said, that's not a good part of town to get lost in. <laughs> of course, I'm thinking... Is there ever a good part of town to get lost in? It's like, well, if I'm going to get lost, I'm going to get lost here. That doesn't make any sense at all. But I, I came up with my own directions. Where'd I end up? Lost. Stick with God's directions. Those are the ones that will get you where you need to get, when you need to get there, and you'll turn around and you'll be like, how'd we get here? Because you didn't do it. You had to do something. You had to drive the car. But you didn't do it. God did it. So we look here, and, and what happens, and if you notice, everyone's at different points, and, and this is why we're told not to compare ourselves, and this is why we're told not to judge, because we're all at different places. And there may be places in your life where you're closer to the standard there than in other areas, and that's just part of the growth process. And that's why you never beat yourself up. You just understand I'm not done yet. Listen, when you're cooking brownies, cooking brownies, baking brownies, you can tell I, I fry a lot of brownies. <laughs> When, you, when you're making brownies, you don't get mad because they're not done. You just realize, I'm in the process. And if you speed up the process, a lot of times you'll tear stuff up. So just stick to the process. Just do what he tells you to do, and you'll get there in the perfect time. You know, Jenny was in Church on the Rock, and I was at Church on the Rock at the same time before we got married. I was here, and she was here. But we didn't get married. I came back around 95. We got married in 98. That's encouraging. I don't know. I just know we're married. Yeah, we've been married for a decade or two. Yeah, it's like when a kid's born, how big is it? Oh, about this big, I guess, somewhere right near. Like you caught a fish or something. But anyway, so she, um, so, so I was in the church and she was in the church. So we were at the right place, just wasn't the right time. Wasn't the right time. I've often said, if we got married too soon, I'd have goofed it up. I was too much of an idiot. And I was. So timing's important. Just trust that God knows. Just trust that God knows. Don't be impatient. Just chill. And trust that God knows the right time. So we look at this graph here, and we see we have different people in different places. Or, or this could be even where people decided to stop. You see, living the standard means there are times I'm going to have to get uncomfortable about things. Maybe I'm going to have to put my, my heel to my flesh in this area. Maybe I'm going to have to quit drinking so many cherry sodas. Maybe I, I have to, maybe I have, maybe, oh, maybe I need to spend a little less time on social media. Starting, starting movements and helping people. Maybe, you see, because living the standard isn't always comfortable, it means I'm going to have to make, if I want to get from here to there, I'm going to have to get up, which is energy, and I'm going to have to get myself there, which I'm going to have to do something, which means I'm going to have to be a little uncomfortable. And some things are more uncomfortable than others. Because we've all got the, you know, the Bible says that he's um, no weapon formed against you. You know, they're, they're, Satan forms specific things to try to affect you that's unique to you. So sometimes there are things that are more uncomfortable in our lives we have to deal with. For other people may think, well, that's no big deal. But for us, we're like, oh, my goodness sakes, it's like climbing a mountain. But again, we got God helping us with this, right? We've got the Holy Spirit helping us, so he's our helper so we can get through if we don't quit. But sometimes people get to a point, what happens is this could be where they end up. They just quit. You know, this is all further I want to go. I've, I've, I've done some good spiritual things. I've developed some good spiritual habits, but I don't, I don't want to go that far. 
I don't want to develop good spiritual habits that far along the way. And listen, guess what? That's fine. You can do whatever you want. It's up to you. But don't bellyache by the people who chose to be more uncomfortable and reach further. That's why we don't judge. It's why we don't compare. How come I don't drive like they, what they drive? How come I don't live where they live? How come my marriage doesn't look like, well, maybe they were willing to do what you were uncomfortable to do. Maybe they were willing to stretch and reach where you were unwilling to stretch and reach. See, that's the thing about God. God lets you be in charge. And, and here, here's another one that's kind of hard for some people to swallow. God didn't guarantee you the same results as everybody else. A faithful man shall abound with the blessings. Why didn't an unfaithful man? The hand of the diligent shall bear rule. How come the lazy person doesn't? Give bountifully and you'll reap. Well, how come you can't give a little bit and get a lot? People don't like it, but the Bible's full of responsibility. It's full of it. I said it before you this day, life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life. Why? If we're all going to get the same, why? Because we don't get all the same. Why? Because God left it up to us what we have, what we enjoy or what we don't enjoy. Amen? That's a hard pill for some people to swallow. It's uncomfortable. And, 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 and hey, same to me. Because there are things he talks to me about, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Are you serious? Are you serious? And listen, you can say it. He knows what you're thinking. And, of course, he is serious. <laughs> Amen? And, and, and that's why, you know, and, and, and you, you should never come to a church like ours where living in victory now is being ministered and feel like you're getting beat up. That's the devil. All that's being offered is the words being ministered and we're saying, this is what you can have. But listen, it's up to you. This is what's available, but it's up to you what you take. We stock the shelves of the grocery store. You can take whatever you want. Or, and, and some of the nicer stuff may be on the top shelf, but if you don't want to reach for it, that's okay. That's really okay. It's up to you. You can choose to live wherever you want. We're just telling you this is what he said is available. And what can happen sometimes in churches like ours, though, is you have people, and they'll be in the church, and because of the kind of church we are, we are a church that reaches for the more and reaches for what's available. And there are people around you that want to, and you may be some of the people who are reaching for the more, but then you have other people who don't want to do that, and they start to get mad because they start seeing the fruit in other people's lives, and they don't see the fruit in their life, and then they get mad, and they think, well, you people are judging me. They start to get uncomfortable. Not because of anything anyone else has done toward them. It's just what they've done for themselves. And they get uncomfortable and, 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 and they feel like, oh my goodness, I'm being I just don't feel like I fit there anymore. Maybe you've heard people say things like that. And then what they do is they go find a place that doesn't have that standard. It's comfortable. And I'm so loved here. Well, you're, you're loved by the love of God. But it's not a matter of being loved. It's just you're comfortable. And you've mistaken love for comfort. You've mistaken love for comfort. There was some pe- person on social media one day, bless her darling hearts, they said, uh, um, if you love somebody, you'll never tell them that their, um, their, their morals are wrong. That's not love. You know, one time Paul had to tell people I'm your enemy because I've told you the truth. That must mean he told them something they didn't like. So ne- never mistake love for comfort. Never mistake love for comfort. But that's what will happen is people will be in churches where they're, they're taught this is available and the people are reaching for it and, and they don't want to reach for it. And again, you don't have to. That's fine. It's totally up to you. You won't walk in it and don't be mad at the people who do. But people who do that, they sit in a church and then they start listening to the devil. You don't belong there. They're judging you. People know that this isn't happening in your life. Then they get mad and they find some place where they can just be comfortable. But guess what? That's a bad spiritual habit. See, Good spiritual habits are what gets us from where we are to where we could be. Your will determines your choices. Repeatedly making choices creates habits, and habits create your life. So what you want will determine what you do, and when you do it repeatedly, it becomes a habit, and you get enough habits and you push them together, that's your life. My life is a result of my habits. 
which has been the result of my choices, which has been the result of my want to, my will. What I want, what I don't want. That's the case. And, and so through here, what it is, these are all just habits. It's a result of habits. Where I am, how close I get to the standard, how close I don't. God working with me, but it's a result of my habits. Am I in the Word? Am I praying? I'm not, listen, God is not about earning anything, but He is interested in your effort. You don't have to earn anything from God. Please understand that. It's already made available, but there are things we have to do to our carnal nature to help us understand it's ours. So when we pray in tongues, we're not doing that for God. We're doing that for us. When we get in the Word and renew our mind, we're not doing that for God. We're doing that for us to help us understand this is already mine. All I have to do is get in the car and drive. So don't think that, well, coming to church is me earning something from God. You can't earn anything from Him. He's already given all of it. It's just a matter of me making the choice to do what it takes to receive it. So please never make the mistake. It's not about earning anything. It's about effort. God is interested in your effort. He is interested in what you do or don't do. Because people always do what they want to do. Don't they? The same people that will get up 2 a.m. and wait outside Best Buy to buy a 70-inch television set can't come to a 10 o'clock service on time. It's want to. It's all want to. It's all one, two. Pastor Osteen, you remember the story about his mom? She used to chew tobacco after his dad died. And she chewed tobacco, and of course she couldn't get any guys interested because, come on, really? Joan, could you spit that out so I give you a smooch? And then he noticed all of a sudden, she just, all of a sudden she stopped. She's done. Like, what happened? Well, she found out there's some guy she got interested in. Her one, two changed. So something she struggled with for years changed like that. Why? Her one, two. Our one, two eventually will change our lives. And thankfully, oh my goodness, thankfully he'll help us with that. So if we look at this graph again, what we see is we see people at different points because people have created better spiritual habits and some have not done that yet. That determines where we are. What, what I'm willing to do with my body and what I'm not. What I'm willing to say and what I'm not. Where I'm willing to go and where I'm not. All of those things help us. It's not about earning. It's about making right choices because right choices create right habits, which creates right life. Now, one of the most dangerous things I've ever seen people do is try to bend the rules. Bend, bend what my habit should or should not be. If you look at the next graph, what you see, you've got two lines that are the same length. But what happened? The one on the right's bent. Did they ever get to the standard? No. Why not? Because they said, well, and people do this all the time for their kids. Bend the rules for their children. Well, honey, you don't have to. That's all right. You, hey, mom and dad, you do whatever you want, but this is what you're doing. You're turning them, and you're going to... They, they, now, now, if they keep going on this trajectory, they'll eventually get to the standard, but the one on the left got there a lot quicker. Why is my kid 35 years old, and they act like a knucklehead? Did you bend the rules for them when they were little? Did you train them to believe, well, all the rules don't apply to me? Spiritual rules apply equally to everyone. Seed time and harvest applies to everyone. Why do people grow up and they make decisions and you're like, what are you thinking? Well, because mommy and daddy saved them from all of that when they were little, but now they're at a point where mom and dad can't save them and this is what they've got in life. So this is for parents and grandparents. And listen, one day I will be a grandparent, like 40 years from now or something. <laughs> and I love my grandbabies and I'm going to feed them, feed them, ice cream sandwiches for breakfast and you want to drink cold red mountain dew you go for it baby and all that. and that's great because when they come to grandma and grandpa's house it should be fun it should be and, and listen as a parent you do whatever you want as a grandparent you do whatever you want but for me we're gonna have fun but i'm not gonna let you act a fool because i'm not gonna undo the training my kids have done for their kids so we're gonna have fun and we're gonna have a great time but you can't act a fool get off my furniture take your stinky shoes off you ain't going to do that around here. Amen. Amen. We love people, but we understand what love is. We love people, we understand what love is. As a side note, that's, that's, that's something that's dangerous about empathy. Empathy is about emotion. 
And the Bible says Jesus was touched with the feeling of our infirmities. So empathy is scriptural. Empathy is scriptural until it leads to error. Because I love you, but I'm not the guy who's going to sit in your passenger seat, stroke your hair, tell you you're worth it while you drive your life off a cliff. So I love you, but I don't want to see you tear up your life. Sadly, most people don't, they, they don't take that. They just don't. So we have to guard ourselves. What's the word say? What's the word say about it? Not just the word the way I want to interpret it. What's the word say about all this? Amen? Amen. So we see here what happened to this. Well, this person got off. Why'd they get off? Well, because they, they had habits they could have created, but their mom and dad helped them create wrong habits by bending the rules for them. Well, I know you're supposed to be there at 10 o'clock, but it's okay if you're there at 10, 15. Well, I know this is what the teacher said about that assignment, but it's okay. It, it, we'll, we'll do it a little different this time. Well, yeah, I know that's what you're told you need to do, but well, we can just kind of, boy, it's gotten quiet. It's like, I'm, it's like I'm an altar boy back in the Catholic Church. I'm not mad at your moms and dads. I've got kids too, and I've made the same mistake, but I mean, after a while, you realize, my goodness, that just does no good. It just doesn't help at all. And if you get all emotionally wrought up in how your kids are feeling, you'll make wrong choices. Well, my kid's crying and I'm just so upset about it. Well, then don't do something stupid. Amen? So we see here, this is the why. Why do we develop good spiritual habits? Because we want to live that standard living. We want to live what's available. How do I do it then? We've got five different things. Five different keys to how, here's the how, how I create good spiritual habits. Now, do you have to start with all five? Just pick one. Just pick one. You know, sometimes people get on a diet and they're like, I, w- I want to lose 50 pounds and it's overwhelming and they end up gaining 10. <laughs> Just start with five. Just start with five, then start with another five, and then do another five, and then, you know, bite-sized chunks, bite-sized chunks. So the first one, of course, come to church. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25 tell us, and let us consider and give attentive, continuous care to watching over one another. Now, it says we need to watch over each other. Not judging, not ruling, not condemning, but watch over and have a genuine heart of compassion and love and care for people. Studying how we may stir up, stimulate, and incite. Now, not incite to fighting and riots. It says incite to love and helpful deeds and noble activities. When I say something, when I do something, when I post something, am I stirring people to noble deeds? Verse 25, not forsaking or neglecting to assemble together as believers as is the habit of some people. Bad spiritual habits will kill you the same way bad physical habits will. You smoke, you drink, that's going to tear your life up. Well, bad spiritual habits can do the same thing. This is a habit of some people, but admonishing, warning, urging, and encouraging. Encourage people, urge people, and sometimes there's warning. In messages that can come from the pulpit. Just because, l- l- listen, if you got somebody and they're driving toward the bridge that's out, it's got to be a little more intense than maybe, hey, stop, right. stop. The leather, the upholstery is beautiful. Could you slow down? <laughs> You're probably not going to do that. And all the more faithfully as we see the day approaching. So here we see that we're urged, come to church. Just come to church. That's a place to start. Well, I have other things going on. Are those other things going to get you to what God wants you to walk in? Probably not. Just come to church. Coming to church will take care of so many problems in people's lives. I mean, really. Just coming to church. Setting under the anointing and what will happen is things will start to fall off your life you didn't even know were on your life. Secondly, the second thing we need to look at is the Word of God. Get in the Word. Don't just read books about the Word. Get in the Word. Some people have studied, have substituted the bestseller list for the Word of God. No, read your Bible. 
Here we see in um, 1 Peter chapter 2, So be done with every trace of wickedness, depravity, malignity, and all deceit and insincerity, pretense and hypocrisy. A lot of hypocrisy today. Don't get caught up in all the political hypocrisy. In the summer, you had people screaming, oh my goodness, the Black Lives Matter people, they're burning down cities. And then the same people are storming the Capitol. And vice versa. It's ridiculous. It's hypocrisy. Stay out of it. It's foolishness. And grudges, envy, jealousy, and slander, and evil speaking every kind. Don't speak bad about people. Just be nice. Just be nice. Now, this is the word. Now, listen, it says, don't do that stuff. Be like newborn babes, verse 2. You should crave, thirst for, earnestly desire the unadulterated spiritual milk. Unadulterated, which means you don't, you don't, hey, all you political people, you don't bend the word to the right to suit your needs. You don't bend the word to the left to suit your needs. It's unadulterated, which means it's the word. It says, don't do all this foolish stuff, but get in the word. If you get in the word, you won't do verse 1. That by it you may be nurtured and grow up unto completed salvation. Completed salvation, what is that? Standard living. What is completed salvation? Nothing missing, nothing broken. That's the blessing. I am healed. I am delivered. I am whole. I have all that. But it said, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, but like babies desire the word. Again, when you get the word in you, verse 2, you won't do verse 1. So if I'm involved in verse 1, obviously I need to load up on verse 2. Oh, it's so quiet. Is it quiet because you're mad? Number three, pray in tongues. Pray in tongues. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2 tells us, For one who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not to God, but to men, or speaks not to men, but to God. Excuse me, got that backwards. For one understands or catches his meaning because in the Holy Spirit he utters. Now notice, in the Holy Spirit. Um, praying in tongues doesn't mean you're just doing nothing. You're assisting, and the Holy Spirit is praying. What is he praying? He's praying secret truths and hidden things not obvious to your natural understanding. When you pray in tongues, you always pray perfect. When you pray in English, you may not. Sometimes people will pray just weird things. Well, like upstairs when we teach the kids. We teach the kids, when you pray in English, you can pray bad. Let's say you get really mad at Billy on the playground. And you can pray in English, you can pray, dear God, let him get hit by a bus. That's wrong. If, if you're questioning, that's wrong. But if you pray in tongues... You pray perfect every time. Yeah. Why? Because it takes your brain out of it. Yeah. Those of you who are interested in a spouse, pray in tongues. Those of you praying about your kids' future, pray in tongues. Those of you praying about all the political garbage going on in our country, pray in tongues. Pray in tongues about it. Why? Because what will happen, it's, it's amazing, what will happen is God will pray things you don't think are right because God knows it is right. And it applies to all of us. Because there are things I don't think right about, but God does. Things you don't think about right about, but God does. So when I pray, now you should pray in English as well. The Bible tells us pray in our understanding and the spirit. So we should do both. But pray in tongues. Praying in tongues will help you be more sensitive to the voice of God. It'll help you be more sensitive to the spirit of God. It'll help you make better choices. Because sometimes you get ready to make a decision. Something on the inside is like, oh, that doesn't seem right. That's God telling you don't. The, 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 the world calls it your conscience, but actually it's your spirit, man, a lot of times. You ever got ready to do something and a voice inside, inside of you, well, actually it comes from down here, inside of you that sounds like you says, don't do that. Or, 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 or when you were younger, I remember when I was younger, I'd get ready to do something, something inside me says, your dad told you don't do that. What's that, God trying to warn me? Why? A whipping's coming my way. You know, like those, what are those lanes on the highway, or the HOV lanes, it's, you can go faster. That's the lane my spankings were on. <laughs> Fast and hard, baby. Fast and hard. Be quiet, woman. <laughs> my, my wife always says, well, you obviously never got enough spankings when you were little. So I tell her to be quiet. Silencio. That's Spanish for our bilingual people. Um, fourthly, fourthly. And this is actually one that I, I, the Lord told me to add this morning. Be led, be led by the Spirit. 
He told me on the way to church today, and Brother Jerry just talked about that, be led by the Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Those that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Um, John tells us um, Jesus, people, uh, the sheep of Jesus hear his voice and they know it. And they won't follow the wrong voice. They won't follow the voice of their soul, their intellect, their emotions, their feelings. So, and, and again, praying in tongues, I, I can't emphasize enough how much that will help you hear God's voice better. I just can't. Praying in tongues will help. And, and, and um, finally, finally, right friends. Right friends. I would almost put, if you're not going to do the others, I would almost put this first. Right friends, right fellowship. Uh, the Bible talks more about your fellowship. If you add up all the verses on heaven and hell and you combine them and you add up all the verses on your fellowship, there are more per pertaining to fellowship than heaven and hell. Who you run with is so important because you will be who you run with. As a parent, if my kids are running with other kids that are drinking... My kid probably is too. Running with kids that sleep around, my kids probably are too. Running with kids involved in mischief, mischief, my kids probably are too. Birds of a feather flock together. That's not in the Bible, but it is spiritual in nature. You run with who you're like. There's something about that that entices you. Well, they just got on with the wrong crowd. They got in with the wrong crowd. They are the wrong crowd. Are they not a part of that crowd? Are they not a part of that crowd? Is that the wrong crowd? Then they're part of the wrong crowd. Amen? All these parents love this. Fire eyes, fire eyes, fire eyes. <laughs> Looking at the verse here about um, right fellowship, right fellowship. This is Paul actually speaking in First Thessalonians. He said, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God alone. So we understand impartations. Impartations means, of course, you get something spiritually. It says, Paul said, we're not only willing to impart the word to you, but also our own souls. Because you were dear to us. The people you run with consistently are imparting to you their soul as well. The way they think what they want, and how they feel. You ever notice in high school, you remember the cliques? Why were there cliques? Because they're alike. They ran together because they were alike. And they became more alike as time went on. Why? Impartations. How do impartations take place? One way is private conversations. Isn't that what people do with friends, have private conversations? Who you run with, you will be like. If they are anti-God, anti-church, you will become the same way. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't reach out to people. That doesn't mean you can, you, you can, you can have people that, you know, the, the Bible says we're not of this world, but we're not separate from it. I mean, we need to be able to reach out to people and share the gospel with people. I'm talking about the people you spend intimate fellowship time with. You'll be like those people because the Word says you will. So we see here with spiritual habits, we see the why we need good spiritual habits. It will help us live that standard that God says we can walk in. And we don't walk in it so we can say, look at me, I'm holy. We walk in it because what it does, it sets us apart. And people are like, what is it about you and your family? There's something different. I want what they have. What is it? And then they ask, and then you have opportunity to share. You know, pe people always want to talk about, I want to tell people about the gospel. Just live it. People always believe what you do more than what you say you do. Just live it. If you live it, people will see it. They'll want it. You don't have to talk it all the time. Just live it. Amen. So that's why we do it. We want to live that standard to be a greater blessing, to have greater effects so that people will want to be a part of what God's doing in the earth. How do we do it? We do it with those five things. Number one, come to church. That, that includes peak for the young adults. Well, I don't like what they're doing. It's for the fellowship. It's not about the activity. Come to Living Stones. I don't like what they're doing. It's not about the activity. It's about the fellowship. Come to the, the, the quarry. I don't like what they're doing. It's not about the activity. It's about fellowship. Send your kids to the KOTR events. The, my kid doesn't like what they're doing. It's not about the event. It's about the fellowship. Do you see a pattern here? The church is having a, 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 a chili cook-off. I hate chili. It doesn't matter. Come. It's not about the activity. It's about the fellowship. Not about the activity. It's about the fellowship. So, come to church. 
get in the Word, pray in tongues, be led by the Spirit. What else? Right fellowship. Those things are important. If you can't do them all, just pick one. And then once you got that one rolling, then pick another, pick another, pick another. Amen? I realize there were some salty parts of this today, but the Word helps us. And again, one of the things that we just read, it says the Word will help urge us, and it can help warn us sometimes when maybe we need that. Urge just means uh, help, 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 help. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Help, help, not like with a cattle prod, but help, not herd, but help, help nudge people in the right direction. You ever had your kid, you've been walking to the store and they went the wrong direction? You're like, no, this way. That's what the Holy Ghost does. He just says, no, Sean, let's go back this way. But I want to go that way. No, you can't. No, you can't do that. Amen? The word's good. Good spiritual habits will change your life. It, it changes all of our lives. Amen? Amen? Let's close our eyes. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your blessing. We thank you for your favor. We thank you that you've made all of these things available and you've handed us the keys and said, go wherever you want in your life. It's our choice, and you love us enough and trusted enough, us enough to give us that freedom to make those choices. Help us. Your word says that you'll help our want to. Help us to do the right thing, Father God, as we make choices. And with everybody's eyes closed right now, I just want to ask, is there anyone here you've never made Jesus Lord of your life? Or maybe it's something you did a while back and you feel like you just need to recommit to being a part of God's family. Um, God's got... A wonderful future for you, but to get a part of that future, it's important to be a part of his family so you can get on his plan of what he wants. So right now, if you just lift your head with everybody's eyes closed, lift your hand, not your head. That'd be creepy. If you lift your hand, please, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life and you'd like to do that today, is there anyone here who needs to do that? It may be full of believers already. I don't see any hands. Wonderful. Well, listen, everybody look up here. Life groups, invite friends to life group. When you join one, not if you join one, when you join one, right? Because if you believe that God has your best life in store, why wouldn't you want the people you know to be a part of it?